Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. I've said it every week, that one line, that God with us, especially in the craziness of Christmas time, um, the craziness of, of going to parties and all that kind of stuff, that in His presence we can find those things we've talked about. And, you know, the title, the, 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 the name of the series is Presence. And, you know, there's an uh, intentionality there that we spell it the way we spelled it because a lot of times at Christmas time, we're looking for those kind of presents. But you know something? When we're in God's presence, we get presents like that. We get the ones we've been talking about through this Advent series. We, 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 we get hope. Uh, when there seems to be no hope in the world we live in, there's hope that God and only God can bring. And there's there's peace. In the midst of turmoil and all the tragedy and stuff that goes on in our lives, we can have peace. And then today we're going to talk about the concept of love. And I'm going to wrap up this series on Christmas Eve night with talking about joy, which is something that I'm so excited about. But there's something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago that, that actually kind of prompted where we're going to go today in our series. And it's interesting. And um, how many people have um, like iPhones or Galaxies, the other one, the one the devil uses? Jesus using the apple. So I, I did something, uh, and maybe it's happened to you, and it was kind of embarrassing at first, uh, but then we laughed about it. But um, I sent my wife, so she bought me one of these things for my car that you put your phone in. It's like a holster for your phone, and it's really cool. It's got like these extension. I can put it wherever I want, so when I'm driving, I can just, because I go to places I don't, you know, I have to, you know, Google Maps and all that kind of stuff. And so I, it, was in, it was in there, and, it was, uh, and I love it because I can go, hey, Siri, um, how many people's phones just went off? Because in first service, people's phones were going, what can I do for you, Siri? And so I just, I always want, I want to do that in a big concert one day, like thousands upon thousands of people and go, hey, Siri, and just yell it real loud. But so I said, hey, Siri, text Gina. Um, actually, in my phone, it's Lee. Um, I said, text Lee, and what would you like us to text? And I said, I can't tell you what I said. But let's say it was appropriate for a husband and wife to say. So I sent her that text, and Little to, I didn't know, it changed my text. Yeah. And I'm going, why is she not responding? This is like. Right? Y'all get me? So, like, I know we have, like, kids here, so I'm not going to, like, you know, it's, it's still PG-13. We are a church. I know it's hard to believe. But... So I said, but nothing in response, like, nothing back. And I'm like, man, what did, what did I? So I look at it, and I'm like, oh, it sent a whole different text. And I said, sorry, which sorry only goes so far, right? So, so it's amazing to me because I am the master. I, I don't like sending text messages, and I don't like emails. Primarily, and we talk about it in our staff all the time, because you can't read somebody's eyes in a text message. You don't know the inflection of the voice or the anger or if they're joking. Or There's been several times I've gotten texts. I'm like, what are you talking? Are you kidding with me? I'm like, this is a joke, right? And you don't know. And they'll go, well, of course it's a joke. Like, I couldn't read your emotion in the text. Like, you didn't put me enough of those, you know, thumbs up or winky eyes or anything in it. So I didn't know what you were thinking. And, and, and it's amazing to me how we can misinterpret or misread a message. And don't get me started with punctuation. Like a comma in the wrong place changes a whole 
conversation, doesn't it? Um, I, I heard about a friend, a person went um, and told their wife to go, they can go buy a, a piece of jewelry. She wanted a nice little bracelet, right? Okay, it's Christmas time, nice little bracelet. And she sent back, uh, is this one okay? It's, it's $7,500. And he writes back this, no price too high. Not no, comma, price too high, no price too high. She comes walking in the house with a brand new bracelet. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, no price too high. She said, no, you said no price too high. Right? It's, it's amazing. How about this? I love my parents, Joanna Gaines and Stetson Bennett. Or is that I love my parents, comma, right? Joanne Gaines, comma, and Stetson. It changes everything, doesn't it? Some of you are going, I didn't know we were going to have an English class. <laughs> or, let's eat grandpa. <laughs> I don't know how tasty he is. Let's eat, comma, grandpa, let's go. Get, like, we, I'm hungry, right? How about this one? I'm sorry, I love you. <laughs> or, I'm sorry. I love you. How about this? We're going to learn to copy and paste students. <laughs> or is it, we're going to learn to copy and paste students. Here's my all-time favorite one. Man bacon makes everything better. <laughs> no idea what man bacon is. Okay? But man, bacon makes everything better. Somebody say amen. Yeah. You could be having the worst day and bacon makes it a little bit a little bit better, doesn't it? And, and I realized something that slip of the tongue, Siri doing it wrong, a comment in the wrong place changes everything. And it got me thinking, this is really, if you'll give me just a couple minutes where I want to go. It's, somehow or another, the same things happen at Christmas time. Somehow or another, the message has gotten mess, messed up. The, the real message of Christmas. And I used to think that it's just now. It's just because we have all these different, this technology and we have all these stuff and we go shopping and we can do Amazon and we can do all this stuff and it's made the craziness of Christmas that much more crazy. But you know something? It's been like this for a long time. I don't, I don't have any people, one of my favorite shows, it's not Christmas until I watch Charlie Brown's Christmas. Okay, anybody else? It's one of my favorites. Charles Schultz is the guy that wrote it. Same chaos. And he wanted to write a show that would let the world know what Christmas was really about. And it's my favorite scene. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, Charlie Brown is going bananas, going, would somebody just tell me what the real meaning of Christmas is? And Linus, right? Linus with his little blanket runs up on the stage. Like I'm getting a little chill bumps right now because it just makes me feel like it's Christmas time. He runs up there and he recites from Luke chapter two. And at the very end, this is what he says. He goes, and that's the real meaning of Christmas. How do we mess it up? Little side note on that. If you ever notice why he's reading scripture, he drops his security blanket and realizing that the security is found in Christ, but then he shuts the Bible up and he walks off the stage and he grabs a blanket. That's just like us, isn't it? But how, how, how did we substitute? Listen, I'm not Grinch. Please understand. Like, I love that we celebrate the way we celebrate. I love the Santa Claus idea. I love the Grinch idea, you know. I love the... Princess Snowbell or whatever her name is from Frozen. I mean, I love all that. What's her name? Let it go. Right? I, I love it all. But how does the star of Christmas, Jesus Christ, 
get lost in all the other characters of Christmas. Years ago, I did a series, and it was when we were still back in the school, and we had a manger scene, and we had a, a cradle, and in the cradle, there was no Jesus. And the title of the message was, Who Stole Jesus? Because somehow or another, in our culture today, somebody has stole Jesus. And we have totally eradicated him from the story that honestly is about him. You can't have the story of Christmas without Jesus in it. There's just no way. And so over the next couple of minutes, if you'll allow me, I'm going to see if we can get the message straight. If we can take what's been distorted or maybe text wrong or the world's looked at it one way, and maybe we can figure out this Christmas. And I want you to do me a huge favor, okay? I want everybody to take a deep breath. We're only six days away. Big breath, seriously, big breath. We're not going to make anybody feel guilty today. We're not, going to, you know, we're not going to put more on your plate that you walk out of here in total chaos. I want this place for the next 15 or so minutes to be just a place of peace and rest. Can we do that? And I think this is the real message of Christmas. If you'll give me just a couple seconds, the message of Jesus is good news. It's good news. And it's demonstrated and demonstrated God's love for everyone. That's what the message, I don't know how that got lost. I mean, think about that original, you know, we read Luke, Luke chapter two and think about it. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord, Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. Talked about this last week. You can put whatever you want to put, whatever whatever religious sect, whatever political party, you can put that, that we're, that's all people. When God looks at human beings, he, that's all people. And, and I think the story of the shepherds, if you'll just give me a little bit of, just a little bit of liberty for a second. I think the story of the shepherds demonstrates that. I mean, this is the first, I, I, the big thing with when you have a baby or getting ready to have, is gender reveals, Right? I've seen all kinds of crazy. They throw balloons up and there's colored powder in there. I've seen them golf clubs, you know, hitting golf ball. I, I, the crazy. This is the original gender uh, uh, reveal. And he reveals it not to kings, not to priests, not to people in a high position, not to wealthy people. He does it to shepherds. Now, now in the Bible, we almost have made it glamorous to be a shepherd. We, we read like in the Old Testament, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. And we go, wow. I mean, Jesus says in the New Testament, I am the great shepherd. We have this vision of long flowing robes and perfectly groomed beards and a tan because they just got off the beach and a, and a staff and these very clean sheep that have been shaven every day. And that's not the shepherds of the New Testament. When you read about the, the test, New Testament shepherd, they were dirty, they were mangy. Do you know that they slept with their sheep? That's why the shepherd. They, was, they were their great gatekeeper. When Jesus says, I am the gate or the way, the narrow, he's literally talking about they had had a pen and he would lay across, the shepherd would lay across so the sheep wouldn't come out. The sheep would snuggle up next to him. Now, I don't know about you, but like I'll let my dog every once in a while snuggle, but I'm not letting a sheep snuggle with me. A cow snuggle with me. They were the lowest. This is how it's described in many places. They were the lowest rung on the ladder. They couldn't keep any of the religious um, traditions because they weren't around long enough, because they were nomads, they were going anywhere. But Jesus somehow or another was, was, was somehow to the whole world 
by shepherds. Shepherds. You know what it speaks to me? It speaks a couple different things, but the first thing is this. And maybe some of us in this room feel this way. We should never forget that God came for us. Us. I don't care how far, I don't care what you did this morning. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did a week ago. I don't care about your past right now. Jesus still died for you. Jesus still came for you. I don't care how jacked up your family is, right? You put the fun in dysfunctional, yay. I don't care. You know why? Because Jesus came for you. The whole story of Christmas, if you were the only person, would have still been written for you. Every person, every person that's walked this planet, that story was written for you. You know what else it tells me? It was written for other people too, not just me. Sometimes I think it's just about me. Sometimes I think like if you're not, not like if you don't look like me, you don't act like me, you don't smell like me, you don't praise and worship the way I do, you don't read this uh, scripture the way I do, that you're not, that's God did not, God died for them too, by the way. I don't care if you put an R or a D in front of yours. I don't, I don't care. And to be quite honest with you, the only thing I'm worried about is your name not written on a pole. Is your name written on the Lamb's book of life? Is your name written there where when he says this, when, you, when we all, because we're all going to do it, our heart's going to stop pattering on this side of eternity, and they're going to start pattering on the other side of eternity, and all we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or what did you do? You didn't do anything with this Jesus that I sent you. There's another thing that the story of the shepherds reminds me, and it's this. It's still good news. I don't know where in our lives or where in our worlds we've, somehow or another, the message has been twisted that we think that God is, it's like God is this old grandfather that's just waiting to smash you. Or the Holy Spirit is like a bug zapper. And every time you do something wrong, bzzz, I mean, I don't know if you've, you've seen this, but like I go to the Masters just about every year. I go, I, I get to go in watch the tournament. I mean, it's, it's a really cool thing. But you know what drives me nuts about that? They let those people with the signs out front, like turn or burn, or there's no, there's no stop, drop, and roll in hell. I mean, all these, stu- like, you know, and I, I, this past year, just because filter, don't have one. I walked up to a guy, I said, do you really think this is effective and working? He goes, I'm telling people, I mean, you're telling people about something that's not in the Bible. Listen to what it says. The Savior said, yes, the Messiah of the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by the sun. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel joined by a vast host of others, the armies, praising God and saying this, watch this, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. I love the King James, the poetry in it. It says it's glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. People have this mentality, and I think it's because of the church, that God is mad at us. God loves us. I shared a story a couple weeks ago about a, a young man that came up to me and said, if God is such a good God, why is he sending people to hell? And I, I stopped for a second because like, I didn't want to mess up because I didn't know where this guy was, and I just said, uh, God's not sending people to hell. People are sending people to hell. Because I have a choice when I'm faced with the reality of who Jesus is. Roman says it like this. This doesn't sound like a mad God. God demonstrates his own what? Love. While I was still in the nastiness of my, my, my sin, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. 
A few minutes ago, Caleb read John 3.16. We all, most of us know what John 3.16 is. For this is how God loved the world, that he sent his son to a cradle, that he went to a cross, then he ended up in a cave and he rose from the dead, and now he's ascended to heaven. He's seated in you know, the right hand of the Father, all that stuff. This is what he did. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's where we stop. But you know verse 17 is important too? Because 17 tells us why he came. And it says this, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world. So why are we judging him? If he's the only one that's even can, why do we feel like it's in our, it's in our pocket to do that? Here's another thing. I, I think the, the message has been messed up. I think we need to understand that God's love must be experienced personally. It, it, you can't understand God's love because you went to Mima's church 100 years ago. Because you walked a little aisle during vacation Bible school when they were doing that, you know, whatever VBS that was. That's not experiencing God. This is one of my favorite parts. It says, you will recognize him by a son. You will find the baby wrapped in sn uh, snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel is joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven, right? Verse 14, it says, glory to God in the highest. Verse 15, when the angels had returned to, he to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying. They had to experience. They didn't go, you know something, I'll take your, like you know, in 14 days, the Magi are going to come back around. They can tell us about it, or just wait until the census is over. No, they had to experience Jesus personally. The boys, I, I love it. The boys had to see it for themselves. They, they like, prove it to me. Like, how many people are like that? You got to prove it to me. Well, that's what they were saying. Prove it. But, but here's the danger. There's many people in the world we live in, many people that, that are in churches today. They've been in church their whole lives. They've been hearing the message of the gospel all their lives. They can recite it better than anybody else. But they've never experienced God. They've never had that personal encounter. And the, somebody asked me after first service, how do I experience God? Okay, Pastor Bobby, how do I experience him? Okay, let me tell you how. You want to experience God? Read through his love letter to you. Forget all the these and thous. Get a Bible that you understand, NLT, ESV, NIV, whatever, okay? Start in the book of John. You know what John is about? John's about how much he loves you. Don't go to James. That's about how many trials you're going to go through. That's another one. It's a whole other series, bro. I mean, it's starting John, right? How many people know we're going to go through some trials? Let's read about the love. Yeah, I'm there, right? Talk to him. I can't, I don't know how to pray, Pastor Bobby. Do you know how to talk? That's what prayer is. Why do we think that we have to have King James, you know, like, we, like I, knew, I don't know Greek and Aramaic. I never talked to God. No, you talk to him just like you're talking to your best friend. You know why? Because he's your best friend. And you know what, you, you, know, you want to experience God? Start giving him the option to run your life every day. There's a prayer that I have in one of my journals, and it just says this, God, do whatever you need to do in me today and help me make the decisions I need to make. You know why? Because on my own, I screw it up. Man, that's where my faith is developed. How about this one? How about serving? That's another area. Oh, man, yesterday, I had the privilege of being um, part of this campus at the very end of Angel Tree, but going, I wanted to serve down at Sherwood. That's our Sherwood campus. And four hundred kids were given Christmas presents 
yesterday because of your generosity. You guys should applaud yourself. Extravagant generosity. 400 kids are having Christmas this year that would not have had Christmas. It's amazing. But you know who got more out of it than the kids? The people that were serving. I watched people walk around this place with tears in their eyes. I'm not talking about me. Tears in their eyes, bawling as they're hearing the stories of people about how they're down on their luck. But you know something? They're blessed beyond measure. They're blessed because God is still God and God still provides, you know, according to his, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things I've learned is serving is another way I experience God. Every time I I have a conversation with somebody, yesterday I had the opportunity to walk a bunch of people through our South Augusta campus and walk through the, the gift stuff. And every one of them, every one of them was like, God, man, I can't believe it. I'm seeing God in you. There was, a, there was a lady named Tamika. She had every reason. She had seven kids. She had every reason to just give up on life. And she said there was one, at one point that somebody told her just to quit, just to quit everything, just, just take care. And she goes, you know something? I believe that God has a purpose for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like you don't have anything, but you're giving me everything right now. That's what happens. That's experiencing God. There's a, a phrase that I, I read this week. It says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Until you try Christianity, you don't know what Christianity is. And I'm talking about really experiencing God. Let me give you the last thing. I'm going to close in this point right here. It's, it's simple. It's, we have the privilege. We have the privilege of sharing God's love with the world. It's our responsibility. There's no B plan. He expects us to tell people what's going on. Now watch what happens. This is how it happens. And, and we just sang the song. I don't know if y'all, like, if we ever made this song a, a real prayer of ours, I don't know, I don't know what could happen. But there's just, well, like, it, it says, oh, Lord, change me like only you can. Man, could you imagine if we really prayed that prayer? Not just like, hey, Lord, change me like only you can. All right? All right, how about if we were really prayed that prayer? Like, I'm talking about, I challenged our staff on um, Thursday, and we're going to be doing this tomorrow. It's a great time of year just to go through what are our bold prayers? What are those bold prayers that if God doesn't do it, it's not going to get done prayers? And that's one of them. I'm tired of being the way I am in certain areas. So God, change me. But there's the other line. Man, and my heart this morning was exploding. It says, the world is dying to know who you are. There's friends, there's people around me that are dying to know who you are, Jesus. After seeing him, after seeing him, verse 17, it says, the shepherds told one person. No. Is it not up on the screen? Oh, no. It told everyone. Everybody they came in contact with, they told the story. They told them what had happened, and the angel had said to them about this child, what they had encountered, they experienced, the personal experience. They started telling everybody about it. Now, how many people have kind of grew up in the church? You, raise your hand. Don't Be proud that you grew up in the church. Even if you're messed up, just raise your hand. Okay? Some of us are like some trauma, right? So I, I didn't grow up in the church, but when I was 16, I think it was 17 when I started going to church, right? 1718, automatically what they made you do at the church we went to, you had to go through an evangelism program. Anybody ever gone through an evangelism program where you have to learn to, to sell a track? I mean, give away a track. 
There's track. These things are called tracks. There's little booklets. Well, we had to do one. And it was the idea was to get people from point A to point B to point C. Anybody ever see those in the bathroom stalls at the airport? I have professional training on how to do those. Okay. So we would make people feel guilty. We would ask questions like, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? You better say yes. I know who you are. She's like, I don't know. Let's go somewhere else. If you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? Yes. Why? Okay, you know, Jesus, well, we had so many people say so many crazy, like, I believe in the cabbage is my higher power. Wrong answer. And you know what I felt like we were doing? I felt like we were selling vacuums. Like we were just trying to check box, check box. And I wonder how many people that I finally prayed the prayer with actually are still following after God. Because you know why? We were selling product. I could have literally taken something else and put it in there. And, it, and I felt guilty. And I, I, you know what I felt like? What a travesty to the gospel of Jesus Christ to make it checkbox. I can tell you this. I've been a believer since I was 17 years old. And the Holy Spirit has never one time made me feel guilty. I should have felt guilty. But you know what I felt? Love. Because you know what happens? Love compels. You know what they did? The shepherds didn't go back, okay, all you dirty, rotten sinners. Y'all going to hell. Now, you know what they did? Y'all will not believe what we just saw. Angels coming out of, they were coming out of the sky. I mean, we read about, we've been talking about this for years. We just saw him. The, the, the Messiah, the one they, they've been prophesying for 4,000. We just saw him. Come and see. Come, come, come. That's a lot more compelling than y'all dying and going to hell. What, what if we just told, wow. What if we just told our story? Well, I don't have a story. Yes, you do. Everybody in this room has a story. Don't, don't embellish your story. This is not beat that testimony. You know, you don't get extra points for having a better testimony than somebody else. But just tell your story. I have a friend of mine, he came, talked to me last week. We've known each other for a while. He works in one of the local, local plants. And he said, Pastor Bobby, you keep talking about sharing my, my story. I don't have one. I said, well, let's talk about your story. What happened to you? And he goes, well, the truth of the matter is I was a drug addict. And he said, I was sitting on a corner one day and I was tired of being a drug, drug addict. And I just asked Jesus to wash away all my sins and take away my addiction. And I said, how'd that go for you? And he goes, I haven't had drugs since then. There's your story. I said, share that. Don't worry about the fact you don't know Greek and Aramaic or you don't know any scriptures. You can't quote John 3, stick. just tell your story. And then tell them that because of Jesus, that's why I'm the way I am. This, this week, we have a great opportunity, y'all. I'm not trying to, this is not a sales pitch, but Saturday, people go to church. We'll have more people visit this church than any other time of the year other than Easter. I believe people want to hear about Jesus. I've, they're looking, they're dying for something and we have the answer. And what would happen if we just told our story to our friends? I believe churches, all of the seats in churches in this city couldn't contain all the people that were gonna go to them if we just told our story. So we're gonna make it easy. In a little while, um, I want you to go to our Facebook page, okay? And I want you to like it. Um, if you don't like it, we're gonna throw you out of the church. It's easy. It's just a simple process. No, but we want you to like it, right? And we're going to post a digital invite that everybody can send out to their friends. 
Now, make it personal. Don't just put there's in it. Say, hey, I would really like for you, and please don't go, I know that you are you know, knee-deep in sin in your life. You'll really need to be there. That's not what we want you. We want you to go, you know something? I love you and care about you. I'd love for you to sit with me right next to me at church, right? And then don't sit up front with the pastor sitting so you don't freak him out, okay? So just invite people. What would happen if we just simply invited people? I promise you, here's a promise. We will tell them about Jesus Saturday. They will hear about the dangerous message of how Jesus has changed our lives and why he came. And it won't be any mix up in the message. I promise you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for your presence, your Holy Spirit. Uh, Words that were spoken today, I pray that you were pleased with those. I pray that you would use those, that you would, where conviction needs to happen, God. The conviction is different than guilt. Conviction is something I need to move on because I know it's right. Maybe there's some folks in this room right now that are going, you know something? I I don't know about this Jesus. I've never had that personal encounter. I've gone to church and I can quote all the stuff, but I I don't know that I've ever asked him to take his place as Lord and God of my life. Number one, to rule my life. And maybe there's conversations. I'm praying there's conversations right now going, God, I make you number one. I make you number one in my life in every area. God, I pray that you would be with us. I pray that you would fill this place up with people that believe in Jesus and are celebrating his birth and also people that don't even know who he is that will hear maybe for the first time the dangerous message of how Jesus can change your lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.